Hello and welcome to another episode of Fourth Wall, the podcast. My name is Elena Newell and today we are talking with a very special guest. I mean, all of our guests are special, but this is a very special guest, Cody Renard Richard. name sounds familiar it's because you've seen it everywhere you've seen him on instagram you've seen him in the news you've seen him on tv because cody is a prominent black stage manager on broadway he's been not just on broadway but off broadway he's done regional shows he's been a stage manager for television shows for the opera for cirque du soleil um and not only is he a stage manager he's also an educator and an activist not only does he teach at nyu and columbia university he has also been raising his voice and talking about the lack of diversity in broadway as a whole not just performers but everyone from stage managers to designers to the people working backstage to make sure a show happens every single day there is such a disparity in representation and he has been on the front lines working to change that reality one way he is changing that reality is by starting the cody renard richard scholarship a scholarship catered towards bipoc artists working in non-performance sides of theater so that they can help fund their dreams and we can get more bipoc artists in these theaters so today we talk a little bit about just what it means to be black in this industry, what it means to be black in this country right now, and how he got the idea to start a scholarship. So if you're interested in that, keep on listening because it's going to start right now. Hello, everyone. Today we are here with Cody Renard Richard. Cody, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be talking with you today. Yes. Um, for the people who may not know your full uh, resume, can you tell the people a little bit just like who you are, what you've been doing, um, and what you've been doing most recently? Yeah. Uh... I'm Cody Renard Richard. I am uh, primarily a stage manager um, in New York City. I have worked on Broadway uh, for Cirque du Soleil. I've worked in television. Um, I get around. I make the rounds. <laughs> um, and most recently, I have been uh, I've been teaching at NYU in Columbia, and oh. I've also been. Um, uh, sort of working as an activist and advocate uh, just doing a lot of different things, speaking on panels, organizing things, phone banking, trying to get this vote out, you know, all that good stuff. <laughs> yes, yes. So let's kind of like rewind all the way back to a young Cody. How did you discover theater? And then after that, like, how did you discover stage management specifically as a career? I fell into the theater. Um, and by fell into it, I was pushed into it. And <laughs> Uh, they were like, you need to do this because you, your ass is bad. Sorry for <laughs> But I, um, I went through a, a, a time in my life when I was younger, when I was acting out. Um, I think it was right around the time after my grandmother passed and I was like just being a class clown, talking back and, you know, 
just just doing all that stupid stuff, talking back to teachers and all that crazy crap. So I was constantly in detention or in school suspension. Um, and uh, and they were like, you need to pick up an extracurricular activity because this is something's not right, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so I joined the drama club and I was like, I don't wanna be here. But then <laughs> I, I did this show, I was acting at the time. One of the two times I've ever, three times I've ever acted. Come on. Um, and we left that in, in high school, <laughs> in junior high. <laughs> but um, but I um, I was doing this show and I was able to like release all of this energy. I was making people laugh by doing the right thing, if you will, you know? Um, and I liked that. I liked that I was able to, to do that. And then also when I went to high school, it became more that it was like more people who were kind of like me, like they were just fun and kind of dorky and cool and not and all the things that I feel like made me who I was in high school. So I fell in love with the drama club, the theater and my high school theater teacher urged me to, um, to basically pursue stage management. She was like, no, you need to do this. And I was like, but you don't think I'm a good actor? And she was like, no, you're great, but no. You need <laughs> no. I was just, I was always that person who, I was always a go-getter. I was always coordinating things. I was always like there. I was the right, I was her right-hand man, you know, mm -hmm. and, and her husband also worked in the theater department. So I was always with them and helping them figure out stuff and like coordinating things and, and telling people what to do and people would listen to me. And, and she was like, be our stage manager. And then from that, from there, they, you know, helped me apply for colleges and, and, you know, they were really big mentors in my life early on to, to kind of ignite me on this path. And the rest is history. I went to college in St. Louis, um, went to Webster Conservatory, I studied stage management, and then I, I just kept learning new things that I loved about the job. Um, and I, I'm still doing it, you know, all these years yes. later. Yes. So when people talk about uh, like lack of diversity in the theater industry, a lot of times they're just referring to the performance side of it. But it could be argued that it's even there's even less diversity when you're looking at when you're looking at other aspects of it, when you're looking at stage management, directors, casting directors, designers. Um, why do you think there is such a disparity there specifically in the technical world. Um, you're right. There is um, a huge lack there. I think um, a lot of reasons. Um, I think that uh, younger uh, individuals don't know about these jobs. A, um, they aren't provided with the resources to go after these jobs. Um, and they aren't shown pro positive representations of them in these jobs. So they don't believe that it's possible for them. Um, or I think are all directly related to why there is um, a, a lack there of color in these mm -hmm. positions, you know? And on the flip side to that is that, you know, our industry has been white dominated for a very long time. And those jobs go to people who have the connections and have the resources and mm -hmm. have, you know. Um, so I think that that's all related. And, um, and you know, I, so yeah. And I, you know, speaking from my experience, I didn't see, I didn't know of any black stage managers until about, two years, three years of me moving to living in New York City. I didn't know any in college. I didn't mm -hmm. know any 
professionally outside of college. And I and I worked when I was in college. I did summer stock every summer. Mm-hmm. You know, I worked at the Muni in St. Louis when yes. I was in college. I worked at Stages St. Louis when I was in college. So, like I worked at regional theaters uh, and I had never seen a black stage manager. So there was not anyone for me to look up to until I got on Broadway and like, a, uh, no, yeah, until I got on Broadway and people were like, oh, do you know so-and-so? And I was like, excuse me? So I, <laughs> I just didn't know, you know what I mean? And then I did right. my research. I was like, oh, that's the person, that's the person. And then I became my mission to like know these names. Um, but yeah. I didn't see a representation of myself. So like it was, so for me, I was like, you know, I didn't think about it that way. But when I look back at it, it's like, oh, right. You didn't see that. But you, you know, I guess I had to drive uh, to just pursue it anyway. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't necessarily see that either yeah so when you're like in these spaces um can you think of like some experiences where you might have had an altercation not physical but like verbal where it's like a microaggression or something like that and when you experience those how do you handle it because i know typically in theatrical productions you're like if there's a problem approach the stage manager or approach the director but like if you are the stage manager who do you go to um how do you handle those situations especially if you're in a majority white space already how do you fight those battles yeah i've been in those situations more times than i can even count um and a lot of the time um the people inflicting these um uh, injustices i hate the word microaggressions mm-hmm. so i'm like they're never small you know what mm-hmm. I mean? like you may feel as if yeah. small but like some of them have lasting impacts and sometimes we laugh them off but like if you don't do the work to actually unpack that and release that that could live with you for a very long time fortunately yeah. for me a lot of them don't or most of them don't but you know so so i've been in places where people have said things to me, have have inadvertently done things to me, you know, unconsciously, you know, pushed me aside, not realizing what they're doing was inappropriate. Um, <clears throat> and for most of my career, I didn't say anything about it. You know, I would come home and talk to my friends. I would call my mom. Actually, I wouldn't call my mom because she would be pissed. You know what I mean? Right. I, would, I would call my friends and we would talk about it. And, you know, I have, my friends are very um, varied in their, in the way that they handle things. So some of them would be like, oh, you need to take care of this. And some of them would be like, oh, mm-hmm. it's okay, you know, take care of yourself. And which are mm-hmm. both very valuable things. And those are both things that I have applied to my journey. Um, and and uh, so it, so going back to the question, at times I, I didn't say anything. I, I took it and unless it was something that really, really, you know, I couldn't live with. And then I, then I would approach the person because, Sometimes I felt as if me bringing up a racial um, situation to someone I was working with, they wouldn't care because they didn't understand, especially when I was Mm -hmm. normally the only Black or even person of color on the stage management team or even on the creative side of this show. Um, So I would handle it directly. I would just go to them and be like, yo, you can't say that. That is actually, that's not okay. And what happens is that they get defensive and they freak out and they're like, I didn't mean it that way. And it's like, it doesn't matter how you meant it. It's how I perceived it. And I, and it hurt. So let's just not say that again, you know, and that's the problem. Um, I talk about this all the time. Sorry, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but I no, talk, this is perfect. I talk about this all the time. And I, and I say that like race doesn't have to be this sensitive subject. 
I am a black man, you are whatever you are, you know what I mean? Like race does not have to be a sensitive subject. Yes, you might misstep and yes, you might offend people. Own it, figure it out and move forward so you don't do that again. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. And that's the way I look at it now because I have uh, done a lot of soul searching and a lot of um, education on my own to, to, to be in a place to where I'm like, no, 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 no. I can't just sit by and let these things happen because they accumulate. And if it happens to me and I let it slide, it's gonna happen to you. And I don't want it to happen to you. And my job, I know now, it took me a while to understand this. My job on this earth is to not let the next next generation have to work as hard as I did. You know, right. or, or or I shouldn't say work as hard because you know that's that's a great attribute, but not have to to work through some of the things that I had to work through to get to where I am. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's why that's that's kind of where I'm at now. Yeah, like the idea of that they'll still have problems, but they'll be better problems. Of course, than the you ones know. you were forced yeah, to deal with. Absolutely. And like, you know, we say this phrase all the time, like every little bit moves the needle forward. Like none of us are expecting to solve systemic racism or racism or any of that within our lifetime because we know it's not possible. This is 400 years in the making. But 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 what we do today will affect what happens tomorrow. And that's the the concept that we all have to like get on board with. It's like, okay, hopefully this will change one person's mind. And hopefully that person who has that one changed mind will change someone else's. And then like, you know, slowly but surely we are all working towards a more equitable, more inclusive situation for more than just ourselves, you know? Today's episode is brought to you by Prism Candle Company. They are a sustainable, affordable, fashionable candle company. They are producing soy, 100% vegan candles. They smell so good. They sent me a couple of scents and I wanna to talk to you guys about them. So the first one they sent me was SantaCon and it's cranberry, cinnamon, and clove. It smells like a John Legend Christmas album. They are a perfect present. So make sure you head over to prismcandlecompany.com or go to their Instagram at Prison Candle Company or just check out our show notes. All right, let's get back to the show. And talking about like what steps to create that kind of reality, what are things, I know sometimes when people are talking about like Broadway and the state of Broadway, it can feel like one specific person can't make a difference. Um, but what are things that people can do, places they can reach out to um, that can help kind of change the, like turn the tide of what we're dealing with. I also really want to talk about the scholarship that you've created and all of, all that that entails. Um, so just talking about like ways that you found people have stepped up and spoken out against these issues and problems. Yeah, um, this time that we're living in is so incredible. You know, there is so much heartbreak. There's so much love. There's so much time. There's just, there's so much in this, in this moment that we're living in, right? You know, mm -hmm. we have COVID, we have Black Lives Matter, that movement. We have this election, you know what I mean? Like there is so much happening right now. And what's different I find is that we're actually talking about it, you know? Um, I marched back in 2016. It was my first time ac actively like engaging in, in, in social causes. I just felt like it was my duty to do that. And I started like becoming more aware of everything back in 2016. 
um, which was only four years ago, but still. So that that's my journey with with activism and 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 advocating and like learning my voice and my place and and what this what America really is. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and and the difference for me from that moment, I forget what show I was doing. I was doing some show. I think I was at Kinky Boots on Broadway at the time, and. Um, 2015 was this 20, anyway whenever whenever the first uh, when BLM first started um, um, I remember not being able to come into work and talking about it I remember like being so I remember grieving and being so angry and so just like dead inside because I you know it, it was a string of, of, of people who looked like me being murdered by the police over and over and over. Younger, people younger than me. People, Sandra Bland, who 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 died in Waller, Texas. Literally, this high school I went to was Waller High School. That mm. messed me up. So just thinking about that and then having to go to work in, a, in, a, uh, in a, an environment that was mainly white, you know, and not getting any, not being able to talk to anyone or like get any type of empathy or just get any type of like, I know you're having a hard day, just take it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I remember that feeling and I was like, oh, we're actually not all in this together. But, but I didn't say anything about it because I didn't know how to approach it at the time. So cut to now, 2020, when no one's working and we're all at home and we're all grieving the pandemic and, and the loss of our industry. And then, you know, as black people grieving the loss of our fallen brothers and sisters, um, you know, uh, it's, 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 it's a lot, but, but the conversations of, that I'm having with a lot of non people of color is different. You know, they, I think because they had a chance to stop and actually engage and watch and see like, oh, this is actually a problem. You know what I mean? Before mm-hmm. it was like, oh yeah, that really sucks, but let's get back to work. You know, now it's right. like, you can't get back to work. So they're, they're seeing it, they're hearing it, you know? And with the marches this time, like seeing so many people marching who weren't black and who weren't people of color, also I think opened up eyes for other white people to be like, oh, this is all of our fight, you know? So I think with that, talking more specifically about the theater, um, I think that helped put in perspective for a lot of people, you know, Um, and and going back to June when uh, a lot of people started speaking out, myself included, and talking about um, personal matters, I think that also put it into perspective because because they know me, they know him, Mm -hmm. they know her. They know them, you know what I mean? And they were like, oh, I didn't realize my actions caused that for you, you know? And and I hate hearing, oh, I didn't realize that was a big deal. Oh, I didn't realize this. But so, but at some point you're like, okay, you didn't realize it, but now you realize, so what are you gonna do next? You know? Right. And um, so I think this time is different. And I think that by everyone speaking out and by everyone being, not everyone, by, by a lot of people being so open to hear stories and to hear these 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 um these moments from people i think is 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 great and i think that mm-hmm. um that is what's fueling people to to continue to do the work which we say all the time what does that mean but to 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 um to educate themselves to to try to make space for someone else to to you know um watch what they say to be not watch what they say, be more aware of what they say. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I think that that's, that's what's happening now. 
um, which is great. And I hope that that continues when we're on the other side of this, when we're out of the pandemic, when we're working again, you know, that we don't kind of go back to how we did it before, but we go back right. to what we were doing before with a better awareness, you know, mm. um, that's, that's my hope. Right. And something about, and it's, it sucks that it takes people, specifically white people, someone that they know to mm -hmm. speak up about it before they feel something, like until they see someone that they admire or someone they respect talk about these issues. Well, but, you know, I, I think that it's, um, I think that a lot of people want to have, they have to be given permission, you know, they have to, because race is such a, you know, a special subject is such a, you know, a hard subject to talk about mm -hmm. for some people, they want to be given permission to, to stand up for you or to stand by you. You don't need permission. I don't need permission to when someone calls you as a gay person, the F word, you know what I mean? I'll stand up and be like, yo, that's not okay. I, I don't need permission for that. So you don't need permission to stop someone from, you know, doing something crazy or talking out of the side of their mouth towards me, you know? But I think that has been the, um, that's what's been holding people back. Not everyone, but that's, that's in my experience, it feels like that was a, a catalyst for that. And then when people are speaking out, they're like, oh, Oh, we can do, you know, it's okay, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I find that to be quite silly, but. Yeah. Yeah. So something that I've been personally invested in lately is um, diversifying our college programs because um, typically, specifically with theater programs, um, those are students whose parents make more money so that they can afford those top schools. Um, they were able to afford training beforehand, so they had access to know about these kinds of jobs. Um, and so I've been, uh, we've been in, on this podcast, we've been talking to different organizations that are helping with those issues and finding ways that we can do it on our own. And the amazing thing about you, Cody, is that you're like taking this into your own hands and you're helping to create programs and systems and scholarships to help promote this idea. So can we talk a little bit about like, what was the, where did the idea of a scholarship come from? Um, I know that it's, imp I don't know if the term is partnership or in conjunction with Broadway Advocacy Coalition. So talking about that partnership and how that grew together, just talking about like how we got here, how we got the Cody Renard Richards Scholarship. Totally. Um, first of all, I'm so happy that there are so many organizations that are, that are trying to actively bring in more black and brown folk into college institutions to study careers in the arts, you know. Um, without, with, with, you know, without trying to sound too dramatic, art saves lives for so many people of color, for so many white people, for so many underprivileged people, like it, it, it literally saves people's lives. And they don't think about it at the time, but when you look back on a path that you could have gone, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So I'm so glad that there are so many people stepping up and like trying to provide that pathway um, because we need it. We need, we need that visibility. We need people to have fair access to, to the arts, you know, um, but uh, so this scholarship, um, which I'm so happy that is happening, has kind of been something that I've been thinking about for a long time. And originally, I was just going to do something at my college. I was going to just, you know, sponsor a student a year and give them a thousand dollars of my own money. I was like, I can figure that out. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I can, you know, and that was going to be my way of like just paying it, paying it for it, giving back, and and helping one person make it through and get out, you know, and that was, that was my initial thinking. And um, when March happens, I was like, 
here's the time. Let's figure out this scholarship. Let's do it. And I was talking to my school about it. And um, I started talking to some friends and they were like, well, why stop there? I was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, you always dream big. Why aren't you dreaming big about this? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, call me out. So then I was like, you're right. You're right. And they're like, "If, if ever there's a time to do this, now is the time, you know? So I heard that back in like, uh, I think, I don't know if it was May or June, whenever I heard that. And I was like, got it. And then, you know, I had a lot of personal things going on. I had Corona, um, COVID, um, my cousin passed away and like, I just had a lot of things to deal with. So I was kind of like, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. And, um, and then I, you know, I started speaking on all these panels and I started like going to more marches and I started to like engage in all these new conversations. And then I was like, all right, Cody, pull yourself out of whatever you're going through and figure this out. Because I knew that if I was going to start it, now was the time. This was a time when, you know, I'm not running from show to show. I'm not busy. I'm not trying to, I'm not hustling. You know what I mean? So I have time to mm-hmm. focus on what this could be. And um and that's where it started. I, I started journaling about it. I started writing out what it could be. And then I started thinking about like how to, to make it happen, you know? And um, originally I, uh, I was gonna make my own not-for-profit a 501c3 and I, and I knew I was like, when the world opened back, back up, whenever that is, I don't know if I'll have time to run my own not-for-profit and do what I normally do if I continue to do what I normally do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I was like, what organization can I partner with? And I do a lot of work with BAC, Broadway Advocacy Coalition. And um, I worked with them back in 2016 when they did the first BLM, um, Broadway for Black Lives Matter Mm -hmm. uh, concert. And then, you know, I've done a couple of things throughout the years. And recently I've been doing some of their, um, their, their virtual events and stuff like that. And, and I know them and I trust them. And I was like, oh, this would be a great partnership. This would be a great thing to bring to them. And I went to them, I was like, look, this is what I wanna do. This is specifically for um, non-performance majors. I think that we don't highlight them enough. We don't give them enough. We don't usher, we're not ushering them in and, I, and, and, and that's my passion. So let's, you know, and they immediately were like, yes, 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 yes. Um, so that's how it started. And they were the ones who actually, um, challenged me to dig deeper they were like great i love that you're doing a scholarship but like what else can we offer them so that's how we that's how the program aspect birthed um like adding the mentorship aspect adding Mm -hmm. like these these seminars that we're going to do with them which which will be catered specifically to whoever we choose so whatever um whatever um concentration they have we'll bring in people to speak for them and show them like what they do and like how they got to where they are. And then we'll talk about social justice and we'll talk about leadership. We'll talk about advocacy. You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of how it was birthed. And, and, um, and even on a more personal note, going back to what I was saying about not seeing a representation of myself, that was a huge um, component for me. I was like, these students deserve to see professionals of colors who are leading this industry, who are working in this industry, who have been pounding the pavement for years and thriving, who you don't necessarily get to see because they're not the ones who are highlighted on Playbill or on Broadway.com or on a Broadway show. You know, there are people regionally who have been doing this for years. And I think it's important for them to to make those connections, you know, without connections, it's going to be really hard to get that job. You know, so that was my thinking in trying to bridge that gap. 
and and providing money you know i didn't go i could not have gone to school without scholarships and i know that that, that is not everyone's reality but i but if you know if it is fifteen hundred dollars can go a long way you know even if it's just for books even if it's just covering right. meal plan so that's that's that was um the big reasons to why i was like let's do this oh and the other thing i'll say is that um and ta having conversations with with you know certain pr uh, producers and like uh the power brokers of broadway mm -hmm. um we were having great conversations and i was like I, I if i start this fund now i know that i would have the support of certain people i so so money wasn't an issue for me i was like i know that people are actively wanting to put their money where their mouths are you know or at least they say they do. So that was, I was like, right. great, well, here's a perfect opportunity. And, it, and, 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 and so I was like, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. And, and that's why the time, that's why now was the perfect time for me. Yes, that is so amazing. Um, okay, I don't wanna take up a lot more of your time. So just a couple more things. Um, what do you have or advice for uh, young black and brown stage managers, lighting designers, sound designers, um, any kind of non-performance field who don't see themselves in um, kind of what you were just saying earlier, um, they don't feel welcomed into the space. There's not people saying, hey, we want you specifically. Um, what advice would you have to them or what advice would you give a younger version of yourself um, as you're entering this industry about um, how they can just stay the course and stay true to themselves? Oh, man. Um so many things as you were talking, I was like, ooh, say that, ooh, say that. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, the main thing I would say is, is you are needed, you know? You are so needed. Um, so don't dim your light to try to fit into a certain room. Shine bright, be yourself, show up as you. Because um, where one person may not um, realize what type of a, what how bright your light is someone else will and when that other person does it's going to take you very far so always show up as yourself continue to do what you want to do follow your passion because you're needed you know and and there will be times where you will be made to feel as if you are not needed trust you know but don't lean into that you know take it as it comes and then just remember that like this is your destiny. If this is your passion, this is your destiny. So just keep keep at it. Yes, yes. Cody, if people want to um, donate specifically to help you fund this scholarship for more years, um, or if they just want to find a way to help you, where, where are websites, links that they can go to um, to help and to reach out? Yeah, totally. Um, um, we're, we are accepting donations year round. Um, if anyone would like to come on as, as in, in a bigger way as a sponsor, or um, uh, as a major donor, um, you can email me directly about that, but you can also go to my website, which is codyrenard.com slash scholarship. Um, there are donation links there. Uh, there's more information about the program. Um, and then there's also a, a contact uh, page there for the scholarship. So yeah, feel free to reach out to me directly um, or just go to the website and, and check that out. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit with me, Cody. Specifically, um, like one of my best friends slash my roommate is a black stage manager and like she wouldn't have even 
been actively thinking about like grad school or pursuing this post-grad if you did not exist and if you did not exist proudly and openly you know um that just made my day wow please give 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 them my love that's amazing that's amazing i will because it's the truth and so thank you for what you're doing because whether you obviously you're speaking out but whether you are or not just your presence and your existence in this field is an inspiration and that's the progress you know what i'm saying Absolutely. so thank you so much thank you thank you for that you just listened to another episode of fourth wall the podcast thank you so much for listening today if you like this podcast give us five stars on apple podcasts why not also follow us on instagram at this is fourth wall and if you have any questions ideas for new episodes, thoughts, or you want to submit a letter that we can read aloud on the show, send us an email at hello at fourthwallpod.com. That's fourthwallpod.com. Hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you next time. Bye.